0: Welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. We made it. We made it through 2015. Thank you guys. We have a great worship team, don't we? We do. Thank you, mate. (laughs) Praise God. Well, the good news is that if you had an excellent 2015, 2016 can be even better. In fact, it can be the best ever year of your life. Did you know that? And you know what? If 2015 was the worst year that you ever had, the good news is 2016 can be the best year that you've ever had, right? Did you know that it says in Proverbs... That the Lord daily, say daily, loads, say loads, us with what? Benefits. 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 So that means that the Lord, 365 days this year, the Lord, every single one of those days for us is loaded with benefits. And do you know why he's done that? Because he wants you to experience and enjoy those Benefits. You give things for a purpose. Now, don't you love that God is such a purposeful God? Everything he does is filled with purpose, and he wants us to enjoy life. Did you know God wants you to laugh? Did you know God wants you to enjoy life? Did you know that God wants you to have uh, an exciting life that, for all of your dreams to come true? In fact, the Bible says that he wants stuff to happen to us. He wants us to enjoy things in such a measure that, that like, you know, we, we, we're enjoying things that we never thought that we'd even... Enjoy, even beyond our imagination. God wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to be happy, amen? He does, he does. So I encourage you to smile this morning. (laughs) Smile, praise God. Well, listen, um, Pastor Tony wants us to start a new series uh, for the month of January. So we're going to be sharing along the lines of charting your course for 2016. You know, we're talking about purpose, you know, we're talking about being here for a reason. Um, everything God does, um, he does with the view to actually chart a course with it. Um, and you and I play a very, very big part um, in, God, uh, in what God wants to do. But before we get into that, I just want to, you know, tell you a little story, seeing as it so it's the start of the year and since I passed the Tony's away. Um, I heard about this elderly lady. And she came into church one Sunday morning and the friendly usher greeted her and said, ma'am, where would you like to sit? She said, I'd like to sit on the very front row. And he said, oh no, ma'am, you don't want to do that. Our pastor is very boring. He'll put you to sleep. Let me sit you somewhere else. She was appalled. And she said, sir, do you know who I am? He said, no. She said, I am Pastor Tony's mother. (laughs) Now, now, Pastor Tony's not here today, is he? Okay, good. (laughs) Pastor Tony's mother. Now, none of you guys will tell this joke, will you? Right. Pastor Tony's mother, he hung his head in embarrassment and finally he looked up and said, ma'am, do you know who I am? She said, no. He said, thank God for that. (laughs) And that is why Pastor James is no longer in the ushers team. (laughs) Oh, Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you have a sense of humour. We thank you, Lord, that you help us to laugh. We thank you, Father, that your grace and your mercy Every moment in time is upon us, toward us, for us, flowing through us. Father, help us this morning to hear what you would have us hear. Help us to understand, Lord, because without you, we cannot understand your word. But the Spirit of God unveils the word of God as we hear it. Thank you that that be so this morning, Lord. And may Jesus be glorified this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Are you awake this morning? Good, good. We're going to be talking about, as I say, um, charting our course for 2016. Today I want to specifically be talking about um, God and his usage of words, particularly the usage of words, because how many of you know that our words are very powerful? They're very powerful tools. They influence our lives in either a bad way or they influence our lives in either a good way. And everything that God does, as I said to you, God is very purposeful. Everything that he creates, he creates with the purpose of it uh, charting a course, if you will. You know, all, all creation, God has created creation, but all creation has a path that God has charted for it. Not only that, but God has a course that he has charted for you and I as well. And here we are on the 3rd of January 2016... And God is encouraging us to walk the path that He has charted for us this year. And, and you know, there are uh, uh, several variables that are going to determine how successfully we do that. One of those variables is, is words, is the power of our words. And as we look into the Bible, we see God doing things. We ought to, Our immediate reaction ought to be okay, I see God doing that. I see God doing it that way. We are made in the image and the likeness of God. Therefore, I ought to be doing the same things, the same way that God does things. How many of you would agree that God is righteous? Would you agree with that? So what that means is everything God does, all of God's ways are right. It's the right way to do it. And if we are God's children, then we ought to be copying God in what he does. We ought to not be going trying to do things our own way, because how many of you know when we do that, we tend to get in a bit of a mess? Yeah, have any of you found that out? (laughs) But if we copy God and do it his way, we have success. Now, how many of you would agree that Jesus had a very successful life? Would you agree with that? Why is that? The reason why Jesus had a very successful life was because he wasn't out doing his own thing. In fact, Jesus said these words. He said, I only do those things I see my father do. Because he only did those things that he saw that his father do, that's why he had so much success in his life. That's why his life was so impacting, was so, um, if you will, successful. And, you know, Jesus said, follow me. Jesus said, do what I do. So if we see Jesus following exactly what God the Father does, well, we ought to do it as well particularly in the realm of our words. You know, as I said to you, words are very, very powerful tools. You know, um, my youngest girl, she's three and a half years old, and I try this on her sometime just as an experiment to see the power of words. You know, I'll be, I'll be tucking her in and whatnot, and, and she's a good girl, but I say to her, because I want to see how it reacts to her, I say to her, her name is Millie, I say, Millie, you're a naughty girl. I just, want to see what the, I just want to see what her reaction is from those, word, from those words alone. Her face goes angry, her bottom lip pops out, and she, starts to ang- she gets angry at me and starts to argue with me as to why she's not a naughty girl. Right? Then I immediately say to her, Millie, no, no, Millie, you're a good girl. You are a good girl. And her face immediately lights up. Now, she's three and a half years old. She doesn't understand the concept of the power of words yet. Yet, I see on her face... The power of the very words that I speak to her. So, the words that we speak, you know, the Bible tells us the words that we speak will frame our lives. The words that we speak will frame the, our world, the world that we live in. So, it's vitally important that we're very careful with the words that we speak. Now, seeing as though it's the start of the year, I thought, okay, start of the year, let's start the very first verse of the Bible Genesis 1, verse 1. I just want to show you a couple of things here. We're going to chat about how creation has a course. These are the two things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how creation has a course, um, but we're also going to talk about how we have a course as well and how we can um, flow in that course, if you will. Genesis 1.1. What does it say? It says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So this verse you know, tells us a few things. One thing that it does tell us is that God creates. God is a creator, this verse tells us that God created the heavens and the earth. And I've, I've kind of compacted to you Genesis chapter 1 to highlight to you exactly how he creates. You know, what, what's, the driving force, what's the driving force behind God's creativity? Now remember, this is our Father, right? And we're made in the image and the likeness of him, right? So whatever we see happening in his life, we ought to be emulating in our life. So let's go on. How did God create? Let's look at a couple of things here. God said, let light be. As I said, I've condensed this for you so we don't have to read the whole of chapter one. You happy about that? (laughs) Good one, Dave. Thank you, Matt. God said, light be. And guess what? There was light. God said, let the sky be above and the ocean below. And it was so. God said, let the ocean be in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God starts talking. Goes on to say, God said, let the earth bring forth grass, herbs, and fruit trees, and it was so. God said, let there be the sun, the moon, and the stars, and it was so. God said, let the ocean abound with sea life, and let birds fly across the sky, and God saw it. And it goes on to say, God said, let there be every type of living animal, and it was so. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then God saw everything that he'd made You know, you could say it wouldn't do that verse any injustice by saying God saw everything that He had said. Isn't it interesting that God, the creator of the universe, didn't see a single thing until He said it? The power of words. What's God doing here? God is framing up creation, but He's doing it through the power of His words. And not only did He see that everything that He'd made or see everything that He'd said, Uh, he saw that it was very good. He saw that it was very good. It was very good because the words that he was speaking were also very good. So isn't it interesting that God's creative power in setting up the whole of creation was based upon his very good word. We know that his word is very good because when he created all this, he saw that it was all very good. So a very simple lesson in this is we ought to be saying good things in our lives so we can begin to see it in our lives too. You know, we get it back the front, don't we? You know, compared to God. God God says it, God says what he wants, and then he sees it. God says and he sees. We kind of get it back to the front. We see something we don't like, and then we gripe about it, right? And then we whinge about it, right? But the trick is not to allow your tongue, not to allow our words to be dictated by the circumstances that we are seeing. Our words are to be dictated by actually what we want in life. God knew what he wanted in creation and spoke exactly what he wanted in creation and then he saw it. In our own lives, we need to be speaking the word of God in our own lives so we can begin to see it in our own lives. Because how many of you know God wants the blessings of God to be realer than the seats that we're sitting on this morning in our lives? He wants us to experience it. He wants it to be real to us. So, interesting that God uses his own words to form the world as he wanted it. And we ought to be emulating the same thing. Does that make sense? All right. Let me tell you an interesting... um, Hebrews, don't turn there, but let me read this out to you. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says something interesting. Now, we know that when God created everything and put all of creation on a path, he used his words to do it. But Hebrews 1, 3 tells us uh, something interesting. It says these words. By his own mighty word, he holds the universe together. So not only did God create what he wanted with his words, he holds it together with his words as well. So what can we learn in this particular point? You know, when we're facing, let's face it, guys, we're at the start of 2016, we are going to face you know, circumstances and trials this year, right? It it does happen. But the key is that if we want our world that we want to stay together, to not fall apart, we ought to be acting like God as well. God uses the same word to, to, to hold the universe together, we ought to be clinging on the same words to hold our lives together. When we start speaking the wrong words over us or over our families or in any situation, you've probably noticed that's when things sort of tend to spiral out of control quicker. But if we're not moved by that, if we're speaking the right words over our lives, that's what's going to hold us together. Right? Does that make sense? Have a look at this verse, Hebrews 11.3. Hebrews 11.3. Remember, creation has, a, um, creation has a path that God uh, has made for it. And the interesting thing to note is that the path that creation has is intrinsically linked to the path that you and I have. Hebrews 11.3 says this. It says, By faith we understand that the universe was framed or set in order one translation says, by the word of God. Alright, so what do we see from this? We see that the word of God brings order. Brings order. So, you know, if we want order in our life, in a certain area or across all areas, we need to be speaking the word of God in our own lives because that's what brings order. That's what frames up our lives to how God wants it to be. Now, Something very interesting, do you guys have any idea how much structure and how much order is in creation? Do you have any idea, like, and I'm talking the whole universe, in fact we don't even know how big the universe is, we, we actually call it the known universe, what we know of so far. There is an incredible amount of intricate balance, fine-tuning and structure in the universe. Now, it's, I'm going to show you something here, which is going to show you that, a very interesting presentation. But it's interesting that uh, creation, which is um, so finely balanced and such in order and uh, with such structure, was created by the Word of God that has the same attributes. You know, the Word of God is very structured, is very finely tuned. It's pow- the Bible says the Word of God is living and powerful. It's alive. So, if we are to walk on the path that god has charted for us this year the word of god is an integral part of that in our lives now i'm going to show you something here you guys ready to run that presentation have a look at this and have a look at the structure how god has created the universe
1: from galaxies and stars down to atoms and subatomic particles The very structure of our universe is determined by these numbers. These are the fundamental constants and quantities of the universe. Scientists have come to the shocking realization that each of these numbers has been carefully dialed to an astonishingly precise value, a value that falls within an exceedingly narrow life-permitting range. If any one of these numbers were altered by even a hair's breadth, no physical, Interactive life of any kind could exist anywhere. There'd be no stars, no life, no planets, no chemistry. Consider gravity, for example. The force of gravity is determined by the gravitational constant. If this constant varied by just 1 in 10 to the 60th parts, none of us would exist. To understand how exceedingly narrow this life-permitting range is, imagine a dial divided into 10 to the 60th increments. To get a handle on how many tiny points on the dial this is, compare it to the number of cells in your body, or the number of seconds that have ticked by since time began. If the gravitational constant had been out of tune by just one of these infinitesimally small increments, the universe would either have expanded and thinned out so rapidly that no stars could form and life couldn't exist, or it would have collapsed back on itself with the same result. No stars, no planets, and no life. Or consider the expansion rate of the universe. This is driven by the cosmological constant. A change in its value by a mere one part in 10 to the 120th parts would cause the universe to expand too rapidly or too slowly. In either case, the universe would again be life prohibiting. Or another example of fine tuning. If the mass and energy of the early universe were not evenly distributed to an incomprehensible precision of one part in 10 to the 10 to the 123rd, the universe would be hostile to life of any kind. The fact is, our universe permits physical, interactive life only because these, and many other numbers, have been independently and exquisitely balanced on a razor's edge. Wherever physicists look, they see examples of fine-tuning. The remarkable fact is that the values of these numbers seem to have been very finely adjusted to make possible the development of life. If anyone claims not to be surprised by the special features that the universe has, he's hiding his head in the sand. These special features are surprising and unlikely. What is the best explanation for this astounding phenomenon? There are three live options. The fine-tuning of the universe is due to either physical necessity, chance, or design. Which of these options is the most plausible? According to this alternative, the universe must be life-permitting. The precise values of these constants and quantities could not be otherwise. But is this plausible? Is a life-prohibiting universe impossible? Far from it. It's not only possible, It's far more likely than a life-permitting universe. The constants and quantities are not determined by the laws of nature. There's no reason or evidence suggests that fine-tuning is necessary. How about chance? Did we just get really, 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 really lucky? No. The probabilities involved are so ridiculously remote as to put the fine-tuning well beyond the reach of chance. So in an effort to keep this option alive, some have gone beyond empirical science and opted for a more speculative approach known as the multiverse. They imagine a universe generator that cranks out such a vast number of universes that odds are life permitting universes will eventually pop out. However, there's no scientific evidence for the existence of this multiverse. It cannot be detected, observed, measured, or proved and the universe generator itself would require an enormous amount of fine tuning. Furthermore, small patches of order are far more probable than big ones. So the most probable observable universe would be a small one inhabited by a single, simple observer. But what we actually observe is the very thing that we should least expect, a vast, spectacularly complex, highly ordered universe inhabited by billions of other observers. So even if the multiverse existed, which is a moot point, it wouldn't do anything to explain the fine-tuning. Given the implausibility of physical necessity or chance, the best explanation for why the universe is fine-tuned for life may very well be, it was designed that way. A common sense interpretation of the facts suggests that a super intellect monkeyed with physics and that there are no blind forces worth speaking about in nature. The numbers one calculates from the facts seem to me so overwhelming as to put this conclusion almost beyond question. There is for me powerful evidence that there is something going on behind it all. It seems as though somebody has fine-tuned nature's numbers to make the universe. The impression of design is overwhelming. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge.
0: The heavens, the glory of God, hey? Isn't it fine? He's just so beautifully created, so finely tuned. That's the sort of uh, God that is our father, you know, a God that takes an interest in details, not only in creation, but also uh, in our own lives as well. You know, let's look at one more verse here uh, in relation to creation. Second Peter chapter three, Second Peter chapter three, verse three. You know, it's interesting because it's it's almost it seems as if creation has been put there uh, in in conjunction with the path of man. Look what Second Peter. This is the last book that Peter wrote. He says here in Second Peter uh, chapter three, verse three, scoffers will come in the last days saying where is the promise of his coming? Because, you know, he's talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering uh, long toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the only reason that he hasn't come back yet with his second coming is because there's more people yet to come into the kingdom of God. But something very interesting happens when he does come back. He goes on to say, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night and when he does come it says that the heavens will pass away with a great noise you know all of creation Hebrews 11 in chapter 1 talks about how the Lord's going to fold up creation like a cloak but it's interesting that the path that creation's on seems to be determined by the path that man's on as well because how many of you know the Lord has a path for you and I individually in our lives as well and when the time when time ends for man to be able to repent and be saved it said the lord's going to come back and at that time all of creation is going to be folded up well it says that it's going to melt with fervent heat so do you believe in global warming this is global melting right it will happen <laughs> it will happen but um you know it's 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 interesting how the lord set this up you know as far as creation seems to be there to be able to serve God's dealing with man in this time that we're in right now. Well, let's talk about the path of us. Um, and, um, you know, we, you and I have a course as well. And the Lord wants us to be on it this year. And the Lord wants us to enjoy the benefits of it this year. Now, you know, like, you know, whenever you hear uh, scientific presentations, inevitably you'll hear about how, you know, how small the earth is um, on the scale of the universe and how small you and I are. And you always hear that word insignificant used, don't you? You know, we're just an insignificant speck in the universe. Have you guys ever heard that before? You hear it all the time, don't you? But the fact of the matter is it's quite the opposite. We are very, very significant in the eyes of God. And if you want to know how significant you are in the eyes of God, you only have to look at Psalm 139. Have you ever wondered when God started thinking about you? This is what Psalm 139.16 says. It says, You saw me before I was born. And, not only that, now remember, God has a plan for us. God has a path for us to walk on. God has a course for us. And you can see it in this verse here. You saw me before I was born, and... You scheduled, planned, fashioned, formed. Now get this, laid out every moment of each day of my life before I even begin to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. That's That's the level of interest that God has in us. That's the level of interest that God has planned for us. So did you know before you were even born, think of it like this, before you were even born... God had written down in the book in heaven that on the 3rd of January 2016, you'd be sitting here in church. That's what he wrote down. And guess what? Here you are. You did it. You made it. <laughs> you did well. <laughs> but look what it goes on to say, the very next verse. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. If you want to know what's on God's mind, you are constantly on God's mind. Constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn toward me. And when I wake up in the morning, you are still thinking of me. Now, it doesn't sound like somebody who's, in, who's insignificant in the eyes of God, does it? It's almost like God's thoughts and the way God spends his days are consumed by him thinking about you. Thinking about us. You can really see the heart of a loving father there. I mean, you think about the intricacies of how God's created the universe, and yet He's put more planning and more detail into our individual lives than what He has the universe. How significant are you? How significant are you so much to the point that Jesus changed His form forever so that He could get you? He became, it says in John, it says the word of God became flesh. Jesus became flesh. Jesus is now flesh and bone in heaven, the Bible says. Before he was born, he wasn't flesh and bone. Yet he had to become flesh and bone to come get us, to buy us. How significant are you in the eyes of God? It's remarkable, isn't it? Could you guys put up... um, um, Genesis 126, it's on the slides. Genesis 126 and 31. Back to Genesis chapter 1. It said, Notice that God made man last out of all creation. The Bible says that man is God's masterpiece. So God set up creation, and, and this is what he said: He said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Or you could say, Let man have authority. So right from the outset, we can see that God's plan for man is to have dominion and authority in our lives. How many of you know this year, you have authority in your lives? You have the authority and the dominion to walk on the course that God has mapped out for you this year. And the path, the Bible says that the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter and brighter. So if we can just get on that path... We have the authority to do it. Get on that path. Walk out the course that God has for us this year. It's going to be a good year, right? Right? Yeah? It will be a good year. Look what um, Ephesians 2, verse 10 says. We'll put that up as well. Ephesians 2, 10 says this. For we are God's masterpiece. You are God's crowning creation. You know, I look at the sun and get amazed. I look at, you know, Saturn have you ever looked at the planet Saturn? It is, it is phenomenal. Yet nothing in creation compares to us. We are the only thing in the word of God that is called God's masterpiece. You, you are God's masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece, for he has created us anew in, in Christ, Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has a plan for our lives. God has a plan for us this year, And he wants us to walk it out. He wants us to actually enjoy it. And an integral part of us being able to do that is to be able to uh, control uh, what's right under our nose here, commonly called the tongue. That's That's what we need to be able to bridle, the Bible says. That's what we need to be able to control, If we can be specific with our words, just like God is specific with his words, if we can be specific with our words, just like Jesus was very specific with his words, if we're very specific, we'll find ourselves on the path that God wants us to walk on this year, which is, remember, which is a path of blessings and which will be an enjoyable path. Look what um, Philippians... um, Actually, guys, could you put up Jeremiah 29, that verse... Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 29, and I think it's verse 11, says something very interesting, and it's the Lord talking, and he says, I know the plans that I have for you. Sorry, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. This is a description of the path that God has the course and path that God has charted for us this year. It is the path um, that, that, that is a good future and it is a path of hope. That's what's on our path that God has charted for us this year. Look what um, Philippians 1.6 says. Philippians 1.6 says something interesting, if you could throw that one up, guys. Now, how many of you know that it's easy to get discouraged in life, right? We all get, like, you know, we all get discouraged. We all come, up, we all come up, um, across things that we think, you know, how how's this going to play out? How am I going to work through this and whatnot? This is a great scripture to go to when you're in those places. And it says this, it says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, how many of, you, how many of us want to do all of what God has planned in our lives to do we all have the desire for that don't we but you know one time or another you know we all tend to fall into the trap you know I've begun but ha- how am I going to finish it you know I've messed up I've done this and I shouldn't have done it I've got myself in a hole how, ha- how am I going to get to the end of my course that he's actually charted for us how's that going to happen And you know, when you're trying to think about it in the natural, you know, mentally as to how things are going to play out most of the time you can't work it out because you know, a lot of the times the messes that we find ourselves in, we can't see a clear path out. But this is a great verse to stand on because you don't have to actually understand how everything's going to play out in your life. All you have to believe is that not only will God start the good work in you, but he will bring it to completion. So all you've got to do is stay hooked up with God and You don't even necessarily need to know the details of every small part of your life we just need to stay hooked up with god and allow him to work through us so he can actually bring us to that place of completion where we can get to the end of that you know i don't know about you but i want to stand at the end of 2016 and say yes i i walked the path that god had for me in 2016. i said the right things i hooked up with god and i enjoyed the blessings Uh, in my life because of that here's another key and we're going to finish on this verse here Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 what's the key to staying on the path that God had what you know what what's the key how do we how do we make sure we stay on the path because you know there's a lot of distraction out there isn't there what's the key if you guys could throw up um Hebrews 12 1 and 2 that'd be great if it's a if it's available. Thank you, thank you guys, thank you. So what's the key to stay on the path? Therefore, this is what Hebrews says, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Notice there's a, there's a course that's set before each and every one of us, which God planned before we took our first breath which God planned before we were even conceived. So there's a race. How do we do it? How do we stay focused? Well, it goes on to tell us. It says, "Look, here's the key, guys. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, that word looking there doesn't just mean a casual gaze. It means uh, a steadfast uh, staring at Jesus, not losing sight of Jesus. Because, listen, if Jesus is the author of our faith, remember we got our eyes on Jesus when we first got saved, right? And he's the finisher of our faith, so we can finish the course that God has for us, we need to continually be keeping our eyes on Jesus. How do you keep your eyes on Jesus? Well, one of the names of Jesus in the book of Revelation is the word of God. So you wouldn't do this verse any injustice by saying, looking unto the word of God, which is the author and the finisher of our faith. Because you see, our belief in God finds its origin in the word of God. So if we're going to put ourselves in a position where we can not only start on the path and on the course that God has for us this year, not only start it but finish it, we're going to have to keep our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. How many of you want to get to the end of the course that God charted for you before you were even born? We all do, right? You know, God puts that desire, you know, God puts that desire in us, but like, you know, the devil's a cheeky character. He comes along and he starts to sow a lot of doubt in your mind that you'll never get to the end. It's too hard. But block all that out. Let's keep our eyes this year on Jesus. Let's keep our eyes this year on the Word of God so we can do what he wants us to do and you know that brings great joy to god and let's face it sometimes we struggle sometimes we fail you know but in those moments when it's tough and we all go through it and we're failing and we've had failures in life one thing will never be extinguished from our lives do you remember when peter walked on the water do you remember that story when jesus walked out to the boat uh, and the disciples saw him, and, and, and Peter said, You know, if that's you, Jesus, call me out on the water. Do you guys remember that story? Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking toward Jesus. You know, Peter is, is believing God in that particular moment that he can walk on the water, and he does it. He actually walks out to Jesus. But he gets his eyes off Jesus, and he starts looking at all the surroundings, all the trouble that's around him. And the Bible says that he begins to sink. And we've all been there, right? I mean, if we're honest, we've all been there. We believe in God, things are going well, we're walking on the water for a period of time and then we get tired, we get our eyes off the word of God and we begin to sink. But the wonderful thing is that even when when through our own fault, when we're failing or things aren't going right in our own lives, the mercy of God is always available to us. The Bible says Peter called out to Jesus. He wasn't in faith anymore. He's sinking. He's going down. And he calls out to Jesus and he said, Lord save me. Jesus doesn't give him a lecture on 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 you know why you're sinking, you know, what's you know, what's wrong, what's changed. The Bible says that that Jesus was close enough to him, he immediately say immediately, immediately immediately stretched out his hand, caught Peter and pulled him up. You see, where 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 our faith fails Where we fail is when the mercy of God kicks in and the mercy of God will never, ever, ever be retracted from us. So Peter walked out to Jesus by his own faith, by his own belief in God, but they both walked back to the boat because of the mercy of God. God didn't let Peter perish that day just because he had a failure. God won't let us perish just because we have a failure. We can always rely upon the mercy of God of God. It is always there, it is always available, and according to the Bible, it's an arm's length, it's always, at the most, an arm's length away, the Lord's help in our lives when we need it. No wonder the writers of Hebrews said, come boldly forth to the throne of grace that you may obtain help and mercy in time of need. It's always there for us. So I encourage you guys, get on the path that God has for you this year. God's charted a course for all of our lives, and, um, we're going to have a good year, yeah? 2016 is going to be the best year yet. It won't be the best year ever because the following years will be even better. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at rhema.org.au. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.